preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 29 to 34. Again, John chapter 1, verses 29 to 34. And verse 29, The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descended from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descended and remained, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. The title of today's sermon is John's Testimony based on John chapter 1, verses 29 to 34. John the Beloved, as he is commonly known, who wrote the gospel according to John, recorded the testimony of another John, uh, whom we know as the Baptist, John the Baptist. God sent John the Baptist as a witness a forerunner. He testified that Christ was greater than him. Moreover, the Baptist declared that he, Christ, or the Word, as John the Beloved wrote of him, that he existed before John the Baptist was even born, although physically John the Baptist was born first. But he said, this one was before me. That's in support to John 1 verse 1 that in the beginning, before creation, the Word existed. He was not part of the created beings. He was part of the Creator. He is the Creator. Now, there's an interesting statement here. The very purpose that John the Baptist was baptizing was to reveal the Son of God. And we've read the witness that he heard from God, when you see this happen, he is the one to come. He was the one prophesied. He baptized in water, of course, to prepare the way of the Lord, but the ultimate is to reveal the Son of God or the Word of God or the Creator. The Lord has many titles in just this chapter 1. To the world. Now, after disclaiming that he was not the Christ, as John the Baptist said, I am not the Christ, nor the prophet, nor Elijah, John claimed that he was a voice in the wilderness telling the people, to prepare the way of the Lord. 
prepare in the sense that he must come first. Now, although he did not claim to be a prophet, he did not claim to be the prophet. When you say the prophet, it's usually what Moses said, another prophet like me will come. And that's why they are related in the sense in the writings. The law came through Moses, but grace and peace, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Yet scripture also established, especially in the book of Hebrews, that Jesus Christ is greater than Moses. John the Baptist said, I am not the prophet. Although many consider him to be the prophet, because the last prophet before him, 400 years passed without a voice calling on the people. 400 years of God's silence, speaking to no one. For 400 years, John the Baptist broke the silence and people recognized him. And we know that John did not claim anything, although if you see in the other parts of the Synoptic Gospels, Christ was saying that actually John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah, fulfilling the prophecies in Malachi that before he would come, Elijah would come to the world. Now, in the text we've read, I'd like to share a few things based on John's testimony. And John, the beloved, the writer, is using language as we would find in um, to prove something. Because to prove something, they didn't have much of CCTVs then or cell phones that record things like things happening now. They relied on testimonial evidence which would be confirmed, and many have confirmed. They themselves, the apostles confirmed the resurrection, but John the Baptist fulfilled in the sense he saw the Son of God revealed on earth. Take note that the prophets of old only spoke about him, but John saw him, making him, they say, as one of the most privileged prophets and others would even say, well, those born of women, no one is greater than John the Baptist, but there's an exception, except the least in the kingdom, because we have faith in him and his spirit lives in us, not because of who we are. And uh, I, I, it's a wonderful testimony, the John the Baptist testimonies. He knew who he was, as we discussed last Sunday is that I'm not worthy. Uh, who's the lowest servant? The one who, who, who washes the feet? The lowest servant, the lowest slave. I'm not even fit to do that. I'm lower than that. John the Baptist, although deemed to be great among men and to have attracted all Jerusalem and Judea with his preaching, he said, I'm no one. I'm not even worthy to do that. So pick the lowest slave. I'm lower than that. And John, the writer, was saying, because he knew who Christ was. And I believe if we truly know 
who the word of God is. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And nothing was created without him. If we know him in a real and personal way as revealed by scripture, not just emotionally. As revealed by scripture, we will stop speaking of things like, look how great I am. Look of all my accomplishments as a Christian. Look of all the changes in me. There's no space to boast. Because we would say the same thing. Pick the lowest and put me below that. We will say the same thing as John the Baptist if we really know who he is. Yes, there's that intimacy. Again, they were cousins. John knew him as a person, but... When it was revealed to him that he was the one prophesied, it suddenly opened his eyes. And he said, no, I don't really know him. Even Paul, who wrote around half the New Testament after 20 years of ministry, said that I may know him. Yet here come some of us with just a few years as a Christian, claiming, oh, I know him perfectly. And you don't even study the word of God What's wrong with us? Too much pride. In Filipino, we like saying, Kung hindi dahil sa akin, wala kang mapapala. Kung hindi dahil sa akin, hindi ka makakakilala sa just Such language means you don't understand your place in relation to who Christ is. It means you don't fully understand how grace works. How can we respond the same? I am unworthy. And let us not focus on me. Let us focus on him. In the same way we guide young preachers especially to preach on God's word and what he revealed. To focus on what God revealed in his word. Not to focus on us. And sometimes in preaching, people want us to share some of our life stories. It should be kept at the bare minimum because we are not preaching us. We are preaching Him. You know how that liberates us when we share the gospel? We're talking about Him. So you can get rid of the, I don't think I'm worthy to preach the gospel. Yes, you're right. Now go and preach because He told us to preach, okay? Because we have to be obedient sons and daughters and servants at the same time. Because we have to be obedient. And yes, we are unworthy, but therefore we have to still do it. But never forgetting, we are really pointing of who he is and what he did. Not so much on who we are. John the Baptist mentioned, behold... The Lamb of God, and that's the first point. He pointed to the Word that became flesh and called Him the Lamb of God. A sacrificial lamb is something that Jewish people would understand. And uh, since the Passover in, in Exodus... And through the ceremonies of Moses... And some would even argue the first killing of the animal... Or even in the time of Abraham when he had to split the animals in two 
and God's presence went in the middle to make a covenant with Abraham, there was a killing. A sacrificial lamb, a Jewish mind would understand that. But Christ was no ordinary lamb. This lamb can take away the sin of the world, the sin of the world. And, uh, and uh, I've been asking in a, a theological question, how come in this text, it's called sin of the world, why not sins? Of course, John himself, that's why we have to be accurate in observing these details. But John later on would talk about the Spirit of God convicting the world of sin. And you know what that specific sin was? The sin of not believing in the Son. The, son, the sin of not believing in who He is as revealed by Scripture. In fact, the theme of John, if there is a responsibility and application to the reader, it is to believe, to believe, and to believe. And not a belief that like the demons do. The demons believe he is the Son of God. The demons believe he is the Creator. The demons also believe that. And James warned us that is not the kind of faith we're talking about here. It is a belief that truly believes in everything he said to the point that if you truly believe, you're, you're sold out to it. Not, uh, you know, I'm also a Christian. Huh? I've been Christian for seven years. I'm attending in that church. When I was in high school, you know, we, there are these events in high school that you have to go on a date. I think you call that prom. Is that a prom? It's still called prom now, right? I'm beginning to question what they call it now. I think it's called parties. But it was a prom. So me and my friends, we belong to an all-boys school. I mean, where in the world do we get a date for prom? And he said, oh, in our Christian fellowships. So, and some of them said, I won't date anybody in my fellowship. We'll be the talk of the town. So we were kind of asking for referrals to other believers. So I had one. I just remembered this event just now while preaching. I did not prepare for this. And so we, each one had to have his own car and pick up their date. And we made sure we reserved one table, uh, six, I think six, or was it eight of us believers for pairs. And... Uh, we didn't know anything about this classy approach. There's so many stuff you eat for utensils. Is that what you call it? Why come there are two forks? Okay. How about there's a small spoon, a big spoon, and then there's a small knife and a big knife. So, so what do you, how do you even do this? There is a bread knife and a knife for something else. So, so we begin asking one another without shame, because usually some of us, so that we won't be shameful, we just don't ask and watch others what they do. The problem is if you're watching the one who's not doing it right. <laughs> so we had a conversation, so I have to have a conversation, and I didn't know how to talk to a girl, but I know the Bible, right? That's the only way I can talk to a girl is about the Bible. 
Because I don't know what girls are interested in because we were in an all-boys school. So we talked about the Bible and I'm so excited. So, oh, I heard you're also a Christian and yeah, we attended this fellowship. Oh, fantastic. What's your favorite book of the Bible? And she looked at me with the strangest look. I haven't read any, but you know verses. Yeah, I know verses, but I haven't read any. And from that day on, I said, wrong date. <laughs> so from that time on, I had nothing to talk about. Many claim to be believers. They claim to believe. But how can you believe somebody whom you don't care about how he was revealed. He was revealed by the testimony of these disciples and apostles, and they wrote their testimony. And that's what we believe. Behold the Lamb of God. And even at date, I'd like to say, behold the Word of God. But we can't do that. So I told my children, if you're interested to get to know, they're not allowed to have girlfriends unless they can afford an apartment and feed babies, okay? That's why they're working hard at earning a lot. Uh, so, I said, if ever you want to meet somebody for the first time, you just, uh, hey, you know what? I'd like to show you a verse and have a Bible, real Bible, not those electronic types. A real Bible. I said, hey, why don't we go to Proverbs? And if you see her looking in the New Testament, don't continue it. You just say, I'm sorry, I thought this would work out to get to know you, but you're looking for Proverbs in the New Testament, so... A pastor was trying to make sure if his congregation was really reading the Bible... And he said, let's all turn to Zerubbabel chapter 2. And they began looking for Zerubbabel chapter 2. And the pastor said, okay, that breaks my heart. Zerubbabel is in the Bible, a real character, but there is no book of Zerubbabel. When I trick you, would you know? Is there a Haggai? You're not sure. <laughs> Just kidding. No, you're sure. You're sure. Okay. John the Baptist says, the Lamb of God. Verse 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Take note, what John recorded was Jesus coming to him. Behold the Lamb of God. John, the writer, the beloved, did not record the baptism of Jesus in the Gospel of John. You'll find that recorded in the other synoptic Gospels. If you want something exhaustive, you have to do a character study on John, and some expositors would do that. For example, I could do that. However, I'd like to focus more on the intent of the writer. And he has a reason why he excluded some of these details, because he wanted to focus mainly on the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. That's John chapter 1 verses 29 to 30. 
Now, the reference to the world might refer to the inclusivity of the Gentiles when you say world. The real literal meaning of it is cosmos. Okay, the Greek is about cosmos, I mean the literal universe. But we know in usage, it would mean the, either all the people in the world, but one thing that is very more consistent throughout the scriptures, even in the Old and the New Testament, would be this includes the Gentile believers. Not just the Jews. John the writer will clarify, clarify that those who believe will be saved. And the Baptist again emphasized that the Lamb again was ranked before him. Number two point, John testified, not just saying he's the Lamb, but the Spirit descends. John the Baptist explained why he baptized with water. It is to reveal the Lamb to Israel. He also testified that the Spirit descended like a dove and remained on the Lamb. John declared that the Lamb would baptize with the Holy Spirit. Let us read verses 31 up to 33. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. Now, let's not forget that. He came to prepare the way of the Lord, and he was to baptize people. Now, baptism then was already practiced by the Jews for proselytes. What's a proselyte? For example, a Roman would like to become a convert because he believes in Yahweh, and he believes in the tradition of Israel. He believes in the history of Israel. For that to happen, one was circumcision. The other outward event would be baptism in water. It is an entry. It is an entry. Maybe John baptized in water. If you see that as an entry, it's to enter to a new, a new season, the beginning of the last days. Now, when you say last days in the Holy Scriptures, it is called the days of fulfillment, not literally last days and tomorrow the world might end. When you see the word last days, it means a days of fulfillment as opposed to the days of prophecy. Now, perhaps to usher in this era, he said he was baptizing with water probably, and I say that with a big probably. But the setup of what God chose that he would reveal to John who Jesus was, was in the realm of baptism. And we know that in the other synoptic gospels, it was recorded there, the descending in the form of a dove or like a dove. And it remained on him. And that's when John clearly saw this is the word revealed, the Lamb of God. But in this text, there was no record of John's baptism. So I would presume that John already baptized Jesus Christ and why did Jesus Christ be baptized so that the Father would reveal him? And, but John said, should you be baptized by me? But Jesus said, let's just do this to fulfill all righteousness. That was his statement. But we here we understand that it was then that the Spirit would descend from heaven like a dove and remained on him. And in the next 
chapters, we would read there that the Spirit was upon Jesus without measure. It remained on Him. Verse 33, I myself did not know Him, but He who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is He who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Following the logic of that, when Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit, it is an entry point to a relationship with the Father. Theolo theologians would call this regeneration. Now, there's a big debate. <laughs> there's a big deba debate whether when you repent and believe, did that come first or did the Holy Spirit come first? So, I mean, you can debate all you want, but one thing is for sure, to enter, you need the Holy Spirit. But I, my inclination is you cannot even repent and believe without the Holy Spirit. That is a strong inclination of mine. That is a belief of mine. Now, baptism is just a sign of an outward entry, like a Gentile entering Juda Judaism. Now, John baptized people into repentance, and the Lord Jesus would baptize in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, one may infer that the entry into Christ is the Holy Spirit. The third testimony of John, Son of God. John the Baptist testified that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Baptist also claimed that he, was the, he saw the Spirit descend upon Christ. Then John called him the Son of God. Verse 34, And I have seen, I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. John the Baptist was the first public witness that John the writer would use in his writing. Of course, the writer was also a witness of the Son of God, which also meant when you say Son of God, there's another in Hebrew. Let's not put modern-day meanings into an ancient text. We have to study how the ancient people th thought. Now, when you say Son of God, then it also means the Chosen One. Okay, the Chosen One. Now, I had a, somebody asked me, and this is a legitimate question, and I'd like to address it. And people ask, why use the word? In Tagalog, bakit salita ang tawag sa kanya? You have to understand, if you think of it today, using our modern-day way of thinking, you won't fully understand it. You have to understand that in the past, it was a sacred thing. When it says the word of the Lord came to, for example, this prophet, it was a sacred event. Some think the word of God is simply the word, literally word spoken by God, let there be light and there was light. It goes beyond that, friends. Don't think in modern way thinking. You have to understand that the word then, even in some Jewish writers, then believed that it was, he was a literal person. And they believe the Son of God, the Chosen of God, or the pre-existent Son of God already showed Himself all over the Old Testament. Some even believed He was the one in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you have three sons, name them, those three. There was a fourth man in the furnace, and they were not burned, and they remained alive. There was a fourth and many believe that to be right now as we look in the New and the Old Testament. We find a strong connection based on the witnesses of these disciples. 
a chosen one of God. Now, since I mentioned chosen one, there's an app that's called The Chosen. If you've been watching it, they tried to do some creative stuff there to bring it more life, but not everything is literally in those scriptures, okay? It's their interpretation of what probably happened. Okay, there was no record that there was a conversation between John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. Hey, dude, I'm paraphrasing with my own. Hey, dude, when are you going to reveal yourself, man? Okay, I don't know. The time will come when the Father reveals. So uh, that's not really there. But, you know, we can say, but I would wish there's a footnote there that says, you know, not literally in the Bible, okay? But somehow they want to add, and when Jesus was in the feast, well, I, I like that part. He was dancing because I like to dance. But that's not literally in the scriptures. Um, but then they would say, what do people do when they go to a wedding? Well, well, maybe he danced, but maybe he did not. Well, it's not in scripture. But one thing for sure, he turned water to wine. And I think that's the emphasis of scripture. Now, application, believe in the Lamb of God. The Lamb was a powerful symbol in the Passover. Passover comes from the tradition of the angel of death passing over the household of Israel because they painted the blood of the Lamb on their doorposts. And the same way, there's a symbol of blood to those who believe in Christ, that the blood of the Lamb protects us from the judgment of God because even though God is loving, He is still a righteous judge. He cannot deny his justice, but he found a way for love to happen within his justice system. Before, it was a common animal to sacrifice in the tabernacle of Moses. So aside from the Passover, it was a common animal, but it's not limited to a lamb. Now, therefore, let us direct people's attention to the Lamb of God. As John the writer focused on who Christ is and John the Baptist focused on who Christ is. Let us focus people on the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But I like to make this point because to warn you of popular Christianity. Christianity is not about having a better life. Come to Jesus and everything's going to be all right. Well, uh, eternally, yes, by God's grace. Eternally, uh, justification by faith. That would be the most important thing in eternity. But on earthly life, uh, it's not consistent. It depends on his plan. And sometimes he uses problems to shape us so that we may learn to believe despite the crisis. But many of us don't understand. And when there's a crisis, we keep saying, why are you allowing this to happen, Lord? When are you going to make it end? You have to learn to, Lord, I believe in you that there is a purpose for this hardship. And I hope every day I grow in faith. Although I am concerned and I have to solve this crisis by your grace, emotionally I am not troubled because I trust in your will. You have a purpose for this. And that is faith. But it's what's being preached today. Faith is what? Oh, just believe you'll have a new car and you'll have it. Just name it and claim it. Stop it. Stop it. I, I did Jesus say, you want something? Huh? You see him in the crowds? You want something? Name it, name it, name it, and claim it in Jesus' name. In my name, claim it. I don't see Jesus doing that. There's one thing he told his disciples. For sure, he said, blessed are you 
when men persecute you in my name. Oh, wow. Then half the church didn't attend anymore. Does He bless us on earth? Yes, He provides for us. But does He also bless us with trials? The answer is amen. Can you imagine? You know, the weakest armies in the world are those who are not exposed to battle. And when they go to battle for a first time after a long time, it reveals their weakness. And some believe that our military, especially our scout rangers, the jungle fighters, are some of the best in the world because we're constantly exposed to insurgency. They know how to survive. You hear of the stories how they survived and how they fought. Now, without trials, if God said, I'll protect you, and without trials, you're useless to this world. Useless. You have no experience. You have no experience of difficulty. You have no experience of having faith in the midst of crisis. You have no experience to say, I kept believing no matter what, until death, like the early apostles. And they misquote them, keep misquoting them. I can do all things through Christ, and that includes being rich. I can do all things through Christ. Remember that Paul, who wrote that in Philippians, also told Timothy, I am nearing my time. I have run the race. My time is up. He was in a lonely prison. No, no, no. Dungeon in the last days of his life. And he was beheaded. Then we say, you're going to have a good life as a believer. I, I, I see in the Bible... God enriching somebody materially for his purpose, like David. But then you see John the Baptist, if you look at the other synoptic gospels, he wouldn't dress up the way others would dress up. He lived like a monk during that time. He lived like one of the members of the Qumran community that time, although there is no record of him being a member of that. But he seemed like it. The focus is the Lamb of God, not us. All right? So if you ever you suffer, we share our faith with one another. But sometimes you're suffering, nobody can really help. Oh, we can share a meal or two or help one another get opportunities. But the suffering within, you are alone. But not alone when Christ is there, if you have faith. Not alone, totally. But that's the point. The point of the crisis is, at times, to build that relationship with Him and to stop pointing at you. My problem, my this, my, my, my issues, my depression. My, if you just stop thinking about that, you might be free of your depression. Not all depression is medical. Well, it became when they overload you with antidepressants. It might become, but sometimes it is something physiological, and we respect the doctors there. But others are not. Others is just an over-focus on self-centeredness. You know the greatest battle for a preacher to come in front before? is to come to the Lord and remind himself we are nothing. We will stand before you. And people, some people might say, what amazing thing he's teaching. And I hope it doesn't come to your mind. 
Because we come here struggling within our hearts never to elevate ourselves. And that should happen too with a singer and whoever stands here. Or whoever in the lowest form greets people at the door or lead a growth group. We must remind ourselves, nothing, nothing, nothing. But in Him are all things. That's why I point to Him. Because in Him I found all things. And we want others to find it as well by His grace. The battle, part of the battle, as Jesus said, deny yourself. Next, believe in the Spirit baptizer. John baptized with water, but the Lord Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. We believe that all who genuinely believe in Christ Jesus are baptized by Him, by the Spirit. Although in Acts, when the Spirit came for the first time on earth, there were many manifestations. And does He do those manifestations as well? Probably. There's a debate right now if... Certain things are authentic. I believe there are authentic things that God does on this earth supernaturally. But I also believe there's a lot of fake. Fake. Now, because they were taught, name it and claim it, you have to be always positive. God has healed me. Then he died. Well, I believe God can heal, but, you know, I'd like to see Luke. Luke wrote the book of Acts, right? He's a physician. I'd rather see Luke or a doctor confirm, oh yeah, like there was one person we were praying for, a group of us, she had advanced tuberculosis. This was in college, and it seems like terrible, terrible, terrible. And she said it's already advanced, and she was young. We kept praying, and after nine months, she went again for an x-ray. I think it should be just once a year. But she went for an x-ray, and she brought home the x-ray and said the doctor was surprised that there was no trace of tuberculosis. I believe God can do supernatural things. But we should be skeptical in a healthy way. Like, uh, I have known people personally who would post a church that does not see signs and wonders regularly is not the church of Jesus Christ. When the pandemic hit, I was waiting to see what he'll do. Will he be in the front lines? No, he was also isolating himself. In fact, he caught COVID, almost died. Such bragging has no space in the kingdom of God. If God heals, praise God. Amen. We will pray. But there's, does sometimes God want us to go through a situation? Yes, but some will teach you. No, it is never God's will for you to be sick. Because the Greek word for saved is sozo, which means whole. A fallacy of interpretation. Did you read the testimonial, the writings of the apostles? Even Paul, I knew what it means to be sick. Timothy, his son in the Lord in the sense that his apprentice, he advised him, oh, because of your constant stomach ailments, you should medicate that. You'd love the medication. 
wine. <laughs> Medicate that with wine. Because wine then was fermented. Now, some told me there's no fermentation during that. Fermentation is one of the oldest things to preserve fruits. What probably they don't have is the modern distillery. So he said, why don't you drink wine to heal that? All right. If you have some stomach ailments, I'm not a doctor, so don't ask me. But you have to believe John said Christ is the baptizer. He brings us into. He baptizes with the Holy Spirit, and that doesn't necessarily mean you have an Acts 2 experience. It means in Christ, a genuine encounter in Christ. He brings you in. An entry point. Third, believe in the Son of God. John the writer recorded the testimony of John the Baptist that Christ Jesus is the Son of God. And the writer also testified that Christ is God and the Son of God. We believe that Christ is God and the Son of God. Again, this duality of how John writes things. He's addressing, addressing Jews and Gentiles actually in his writing. Yet, he keeps making these parallel illustrations. Yes, he, create, he gave us light, literal light, uh, but he is also the light of man. Now, speaking about the eternal, that man is a soul. And duality that he is God and the mystery of the Godhead we see there. So, what is our application Believe, believe, believe. Christianity is not just about doing. Something Christianity is about morality. That's just a byproduct of our growth. A byproduct of our spiritual growth as the fruit of the Spirit. Christianity is about believing in specificity who He is and who He claimed to be. And that's why if you don't believe that He is God, then I don't think you know him. If you don't believe he is the word, if you don't believe he is the Lamb of God, if you don't believe that he is a baptizer in the Spirit, you know why John wrote John? The Gospel of John, I mean. is so that we may believe and have eternal life. Do not neglect the important part of Christianity in believing in what the Scripture says. Believe in the Son of God. I'd like to share to you a piece of poetry, one with God. And before we end, I'll make a short announcement for, for later. And for those watching, uh, this is simply a place where they can take pictures during the book, book launching. So I hope you're not disturbed. You're speaking on John. How come Galatians is in your background? So I hope you're not confused. With that, uh, Galatians was something we finished last year. Uh, we're just going to launch a book and have some, some photos later to commemorate the goodness of God in our journey. Now, I'd give to you One with God, the title of this poem, John the Baptizer Testified, the Lamb that would be crucified, in whom God's Spirit did remain, that was John the Baptizer's claim. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, clear as day. 
This is the Son of God Himself. It's about Him, not us, not self. He was there before creation, not fit for classification, except one with God, deity. We stand by this reality. He's the Son of God, God's chosen, whom we offer our devotion. Thus, with all our hearts receive, which means that we truly believe. And that's all right. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your message. We battle every day in our minds, in our hearts, to not make it about us, but to make it about you. Yet we thank you for loving us and caring for us. As you take care of us, teach us to focus only on you, to obey you, to glorify you, and to believe what you revealed about yourself in the Holy Scriptures. Thank you, Lord. Guide us through this journey in the Gospel according to John, and may we find many gems to hold on to and to believe and not ignorant of the scriptures. For how can we believe if it was not explained? How can we believe if we do not learn of it? Yet you have given us the gift of the printed page and also the electronic data of the Word of God. May we hunger and thirst for it and allow us to grow. And may we just tell people to believe to believe in who you are. And that is a role. We are like the voice as well, pointing to you. And that liberates us. We don't have to point them to us. But if ever they do look upon us, we pray that we would be good examples. And may we say it's not because of us, it's because of your grace and your grace alone. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Amen. Okay.